Would you please join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come into your presence acknowledging that we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. We pray that in these few moments of meditation you would help us to examine our lives and humbly confess to you that we have sinned and come short of your glory. Use these moments to make us honest with ourselves and with you, and finally to repent and to seek to live a life worthy of our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Ash Wednesday, even the name has a somber and sobering quality to it. When you add to that that deeply penitential psalm, Psalm 51, then we realize that we are here to make confession of our sins and of our shortcomings. And then we look at that black cross on our forehead, that mark. We are here as marked men and women, but we are not alone. There are those who have gone before us. Cain, who killed his brother Abel, and was afraid to go forth into the land until God marked him with a sign that identified him both as killer and someone who was not to be harmed. And then there's Hester Prynne in that novel by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Because she was an adulteress, she was forced to wear that scarlet letter. And then there is you and me, and this black mark reminds us of our mortality. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now in my ninth decade on planet Earth, I'm deeply conscious of my own mortality. Within the past month, five people Close to me, colleagues, friends, my oldest brother, have all been called forth from this world. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. Which raises the question, why is this so? Why are we condemned to die? We know why Cain was condemned, and by Hester Prynne. And then there's David, the man that wrote these profound words of repentance. You know his story. The king goes up on a rooftop one day. He glances over at the neighbor's house. And there is beautiful Bathsheba taking a bath. She's married. But when you're king, you can do what you want. And David does. He wants Bathsheba. So he takes her, impregnates her. And meanwhile, there's a problem. It's Uriah. David, what are you going to do about Uriah? Well, he conspires to send Uriah to the most dangerous place in the battle. And Uriah is killed. To the sin of adultery, he adds the even more grievous sin of murder. And God cannot allow this to go unchecked. And so he sends his servant Nathan, the prophet, to go and confront the king. Now, how would you like to have that assignment? to go and confront the king with his sin. Nathan has a plan. He tells David a story about a certain rich man who had ample flocks of his own and a poor man who lived next door. And one day a visitor comes to the rich man's house and instead of going to his ample flocks, he goes over to the neighbor's house, the poor man, and takes his one little ewe lamb. And he sacrifices it to feed his guest. When David hears the story, he is absolutely incensed, boiling over in rage. He says, that man deserves to die. Now Nathan 
levels his finger and says in that powerful Hebrew language, Ata Haish, you are the man. And you and I are the man and the woman. For day by day and deed by deed, we write the story of our own lives. In his epic poem, The Rubiat, Omar Khayyam pens these words. The moving finger writes, and having writ, moves on. And not all your piety nor wit can call it back to remove so much as half a line of it. What we have written, we have written, and it stands as an indictment against us. And so we are doomed to die, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And that's bad news. Are you ready for some good news? If you were sitting on death row, a condemned criminal, and this was the day you were due to be executed, what would be the best news that you could ever hear? How about a phone call from the governor saying, I've decided to pardon you. That's exactly what our God does for us. You can't see the mark on your forehead, so look at the person next to you and look at the shape of it. It's cruciform and the sign of a cross. And that takes us to Golgotha and to that dark Friday we now call good. There between two thieves, an innocent man is crucified, suffers, and dies. And yet from that cross, he says to those who have put him there, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then as time passes, we come to that awful, heart-rending moment when from the very depths of his being, he cries out, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? There is a reason, and he knows it from the beginning. He has been marked, the innocent for the guilty, the pure one for those who are impure, in order that he could say to David, God has also put away your sin. To Hester, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as salt snow. And to you and to me, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed your sin from you. It is gone, erased, you are cleansed. David has a very marvelous short prayer in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. How does that take place? Well, Luther probably would put it in context with our baptism. There is that moment before the water is applied when the pastor makes the sign of the cross on the forehead and on the heart as a sign that you have been redeemed by Christ the crucified. Baptism is a once event, but remembering it ought to be an everyday thing. Martin Luther, in the very first of his 95 theses, says, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ says, repent, he wills that the life of a Christian would be one of repentance. If we want a clean heart and a new spirit, it begins with honesty, with ourselves, and with God, with confession, contrition, repentance, and the belief in God's amazing grace. Ash Wednesday, it's the portal into the Lenten season. The derivation of the word Lent is 
perhaps not very clear, but there are those who say it comes from the word lengthen. This is the time of the year when we add as much as three minutes of daylight every day. Lent is like a long tunnel. And as we approach the end, we come out into the brightness of day. That day we call Easter an open tomb, an empty grave, and this message. He is risen, and because he lives, you shall live also. When that time comes for you and me to walk through that valley of the shadow, we will not walk alone. Our Lord will be with us, and as we emerge into the Father's house, he will say to you and to me as he said to a dying thief, today, you will be with me in paradise. That's the best news ever. And it sounds like a good place to say amen. So I will. Amen.